Hello, everybody. There we go. I got to turn that little thing off for the uh, noise suppression. Hello, everybody. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are on the globe. Uh, Nice to see some new members. Nice to see some recurring members. Good to see you all. Today, I'd like to talk to you, as always, about Kundalini. Hello, Joshua. Good to see you. All right. Some of you want community with the kundalini and i think it's 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 helpful it's helpful to have both um it's helpful to be by yourself with the kundalini but it's also helpful to have a community um yesterday we were talking at the uh manifestation meeting we were talking about manifesting communities communities uh of kundalini people and this this is a this is a good possibility that this will occur but how would that be different than any other community i ask you how would that be different you will still have the pettiness that comes with community and the inclusivity and the love and the helpfulness and the trust that comes with any human community. Because people, when they have the kundalini, they are not immediately thrust into levels of noble living, i.e., you know, being forgiving, being tolerant, being disciplined. You're not. Okay, lots of lots of people that have the kundalini have to journey along the path first, and they have to be corrected and challenged by the kundalini first before they get the idea that oh, I need to live more of a noble life, right? Now, community could help that. Community could help people to come into that understanding, but a lot of people you know they they have to learn on their own terms they're not going to learn by watching magali do this or sarah do that or anybody do anything they they want to learn it on their own they in many ways kundalini people are very much individualists and they don't want necessarily to join a group of anybody you know let alone a, a group of of kundalini people and the 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 issue is really how far down the path do you need to go before you can understand the value of a community? You got to go a certain ways down the path. I mean, otherwise it's just, you know, you're treating it like uh, any other civic uh, club or group of people. And it's important to realize that as long as you come together within a sacred and holy space, as long as you come together with the idea that where two or more gathered in my name, my name being the name of grace, the name of God, uh, 
you know, some people will call it after their deity, the name of Buddha, the name of uh, Allah, the name of Jesus, whatever it may be. Uh, so too there am I, which is God. Uh, in this case, in a literal case, in a, in a very, very literal sense, this is the Kundalini. You see, the Kundalini cherry picks people from all walks of life. It's not just a Christian. It's not just an, uh, a Buddhist. It's not just uh, uh, somebody who follows Krishna. It's anyone. It's people that don't have a religion. It's shamans. And it's all the aforementioned uh, uh, religions as well. In many cases, religion serves as the starting point or the jump-off point that a person would, would go through in order to get to the Kundalini. You know, you can be a, a Latter-day Saint. You can be um, that other group that goes door-to-door. I keep forgetting their name. <laughs> Jehovah's Witness. Mm. Thank you, Joshua. Yes, Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, you can be anybody that pursues a spiritual path. And that being given, you know, that she takes people from all walks of life, all belief systems, all uh, employment uh, situations such as a, you know, a, a, a construction boss or a, or a doctor, or psychiatrist, whatever, whatever it may be, a systems analyst. Uh, she takes people from all walks of life and all belief systems and begins the process within them, whether or not they know what it is that's happening or what's what's going on within them. You know, you can you can just show a very small interest, and all of a sudden have a have a a spinal sweep, <laughs> and small interest. You know, I mean, you know, just being only interested in spirituality for like a few months, you know, not even you know maybe just a year. Whereas somebody you know who's Hindu has been practicing their entire life and have not come to the position where the person who's just believing. Uh, you know, for six months has come to. And this, of course, this, of course, is determined by the karma of the individual. Not everybody believes in karma. You know, uh, you know, they, you know, people love to say, oh, what goes around comes around and things of that nature, but they don't really believe in karma until you have a karmic activity take place upon you which would be the kundalini activation, unasked for, unpracticed for. It just happens. And of course, this can throw this can throw your life into a great level of, of chaos. Because now you're now it's two realities that are uh, competing for dominance within the individual. Two realities. The reality of grace which is unparalleled, really, the reality of grace that that is so strong and, and so big and so amazing that it dwarfs the, the uh, consciousness of egotism that 99% of the people run their life from. And what do you do? What do you do with that? 
well of course you have to you have to follow what it's compelling you to do and for the most part it will compel you to begin to live a life of nobility to begin to live a life of forgiveness of tolerance of self-discipline of compassion this is you know the saint francis of assisi all these people they started out just like you and i they didn't come to the world well that shouldn't say me but they didn't come to the world pre-activated they had to earn their activation okay uh there were no electricity there was nothing was run on electricity it was when the sun set is when it got dark and then you know if you had fire then you had light during the nighttime if you didn't then you didn't you went to sleep at eight or nine o'clock whenever it got dark basically and you were focused on surviving uh surviving outdoors saint francis you know he spent a lot of time outside sleeping outside what we would consider a homeless person today or the other term that cracks me up that we've invented is an unhoused person <laughs> so when do you start walking the path ladies and gentlemen when do you start changing the way you interact with society i ask you when do you start becoming more compassionate? When do you start becoming more disciplined? When do you start becoming more tolerant? Okay. When do you start giving selfless service? When do you start to walk the talk? And if you're asking something from the Kundalini, what is it you're willing to give? How much of your lifetime, time of your life, are you willing to? to give think about it if you have the kundalini and you know i can see that you do when are you going to start responding to that that position of grace within you and if you want something what are you willing to do to earn it now I've gone both ways with this in my life. I've I've totally resisted the kundalini and I've totally acquiesced to the kundalini. I've gone both sides of the street here. And I can tell you that when you resist or you do something that she doesn't want you to do, sacred mother, the the feminine half of kundalini, she has the ability to take corrective measures, shall we say. <laughs> Here's to those. <laughs> she has the ability to take corrective measures. And that can be difficult. And it's supposed to be. But they're all geared towards you uh, getting back onto the path. The path of, the path of non-resistance to what she wants you to do. And it may take you years and years and years to, to finish what it is she wants you to do. It may take you years. <clears throat> but you still must strive to do it. And she will continue to initiate corrective measures until you do. 
She may bring other people into your life that will help you uh, to to initiate what she wants you to do. But it's going to be up to you. You have to walk this path. You have to you have to move away. You have to quit the job. You have to lose the relationship. You have to do the many, many different things that are required of you in order to to walk the path of the Kundalini. You have to quit your job. Think about that. That which puts food on the table for your for your family, you'll have to quit that job. And how many of you are going to resist? If Kundalini comes to you right now and says, you got to quit the job, how many of you are going to risk? Let me see some hands. You're going to resist it. Okay, Mike's going to resist it. Chris, Alexander. Magali's not going to resist it. Sarah's not going to resist it. <laughs> okay. Many of you will resist it. Because, you know, it's, you know, these are difficult things. These are difficult things, but she will ask for that level of sacrifice. She will ask for that level of trust. So for those of you that are going to resist, where is your level of trust? I mean, I can speak on it. I mean, I, I would have the level of trust. I'm not saying I would just instantly all the next day and just be like, okay, my business is closed. But I mean, it would, it would eventually happen if that's what she was actually asking me to do. You what know? if she said the next day you close your business? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess I would have to. I don't know. You know? Well, I'm I'm sure you'd you'd, you'd just take me two days or three days, you know? I'm sure you'd discuss it with your spouse and possibly with your children. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, And they would all say, no, don't, don't, (laughs) don't do it. Don't do it, daddy. You know? And yet the inside voice, the compelling part of the Kundalini would be telling you, do it. You need to stop now. What would be the ramifications of not following her compelling of you? And Divya says, have already done it. She, Divya has already done this. Describe it to us, Divya. Come on, come on camera here and describe to us what you did. Divya, unless you're not in a position to do that. I know another person who's also done it. You know, someone on this group right now. Uh, Julia has done this. She has given everything up to do what the Kundalini wanted her to do. Everything. Okay. These, These are huge, huge steps in a person's life. These are huge steps. Now, I know... Magali says she's willing to do this type of thing, but she, I don't think you, Magali, have you been put to the test yet? Um, not really. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, she's not saying, okay, you got to stop teaching, got to move out of your flat, got to start living out of your car, right? Mm hmm. So not yet, not yet. Uh, Michael Fry says to everybody, she would probably make it fall apart. I got to go back here to this chat room here. Um, 
she would probably make it fall apart anyway, and it would take that much longer to put it all back together. But there's the, Michael, it's the shock value of having to do it the very next day. All right. It's the shock of that. You know, she could very well just, just you know, tell you, okay, you did it. Thank you. You you surrendered that to me. Go back to it now. And then the, the business would flourish. But it's the shock value. It's the the stepping into the chaotic unknown and trusting that grace will take care of you, take care of your spouse, take care of your family if you have a family. Think about it, uh, uh, Mr. Cyprian. As you as as your child sits on your knee, <laughs> think about what it is you're trusting. Would you trust the future and the and the current situation with that child to the Kundalini? I have some more. <clears throat> I have three child, three children, so. I don't know. I, I I trust she's never going to put me in that situation. I'm pretty sure. Why? I don't know. I don't see the reason why should I do that. Well, that, that leads to another interesting idea. Is it's kind reason. of like biblical. I don't know. Like, why? Take my son and sacrifice. Why? I don't believe. Nobody, nobody's... Nobody's talking about human sacrifice here. This yes, is, that's how is, I see it. It's like well, well, yeah, sacrificing your job, sacrificing your income—that's a different deal. Nobody's nobody. You never ever sacrifice a child, ever. And I know that's written into one of the biblical books or the the religious books, but I'm not buying into that, and I don't think the Kundalini buys into that either. The scenario is. Sacrificing your way of life, not your kids, not your family, not your wife, unless you know that's that's uh, commanded of you. So the scenario is trusting an unseen, unknown force that is that has lodged itself within you and is expressing, uh, certain qualities through you and sacrificing your life to follow the compelling that those that 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 force gives to you over your current situation now some of you you know it's, it, you have a you you don't have you don't think you have much to sacrifice like you may not have work uh, you may not have uh, a place in society that you're comfortable with and so for some of you, it's no big deal. It's no, oh, sure, okay, I'll sacrifice that. No, no big deal. But in other ways, the Kundalini will find out what is a big deal to you and sacrifice that, or at least have that put on the altar of sacrifice. Once again, never, 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 never are the children put on that altar, ever. She's a mother. She's a sacred mother. She's not going to do that. We don't play those games because this is not a game. These are total realities. 
And this is what the Kundalini will ask of you. And it's funny, you know, Abraham asking, you know, having God ask him to, to uh, sacrifice his son on some rock in the middle of some desert. Uh, yeah, that's pretty outrageous. That's pretty violent as well. Kundalini will not ask that of a person. I've I've never known it to ask that of a person. It will ask you to to sacrifice yourself on that rock. It'll ask you to sacrifice your egotism on that rock. It'll ask you to sacrifice your uh, how you feed your family, how you raise your family, how you feed yourself, how you raise yourself, how you comport yourself within society. All of those are up for sacrifice. All of them. But it's not going to ask you to, to shed innocent blood. This is sorcery. This is a part of the Christian Bible that is straight-up sorcery. Blood magic is what it is. And I, Kundalini, I've never seen Kundalini follow that. Never. Never. And I don't think it ever will. I think that's, that's a man-made embellishment upon a spiritual challenge that was given to an individual and the embellishment was used to to manipulate the emotions and the minds of the people of the day in 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 order to have them be more obedient has absolutely nothing to do with trust in god nothing now, and of course, the priests and the ministers, they'll all say, oh, no, it does. It shows the ultimate trust. No, no, no. It shows how easily man can manipulate a spiritual uh, subject such as sacrifice. Okay. Kill your son on a rock. Give me a break. But neither should we kill a ram or an ant or a frog or a bird. It's called ahimsa, ladies and gentlemen. Kena, what does ahimsa mean? You're you're the Indian girl. What does ahimsa yes. mean? Nonviolent, nonviolent. Mm -hmm. Do no harm. Thank you, Tina. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Do no harm, and that doesn't mean well. Do no harm to to uh, uh, selected creatures, but other creatures, you can harm them as much as you want. No, no. It means do no harm. But how do you equate that with having the Kundalini compel you to quit your job, to leave your spouse? Isn't that harmful? Isn't that harmful to the kids? My mother and father divorced individually. They divorced five separate times apiece while I was growing up. Okay, so my mother divorced five times. My father divorced five other times to, to different individuals. And I came out of it okay. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> who am I to judge? <laughs> I'll let you guys judge that. <laughs> but the scenario is that we have to have 
challenges. Joshua is writing. I think the difference is that giving up a how we take care of people isn't the same as giving up taking care of them. It's more about trust that another how will come. Well, yeah, 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 sure, absolutely. I don't disagree at all. Um, but I also think it's about taking the step of following an unseen force and allowing that felt force but unseen force to begin to have jurisdiction over how you live your life. That's the big step. And then accepting the phenomena that comes because of that decision. You see, this is all about surrender. Everything that we're talking about right now is surrendering your mundane life and mind and understanding to the divine reality. All of you are immersed, you know, to some degree in your mundane life. Uh, uh, Magali is standing up in front of a bunch of people telling them how to speak English. Répétez-moi. Hello. My name is Chrisom. Répétez-moi. Hello. Okay, she's standing up in front of French people teaching them how to speak English. Am I right, Magali? Yeah, you can just nod your head, yeah. Uh, Michael is up there on a ladder going, oh, yeah, yeah, we can do this. And we can do your roof, too. We'll put a new roof on there, right? Am I right? We'll fix that wall. We'll fix the underboards here. We'll text your coat the side of your house. We're going to put a new roof on there, all for the outstanding price of $9.99.99 and nine-tenths. Okay, so... You know, he's up there. He's immersed in his reality. Chris Van Hoof has his healing business that he's going. People either donate or he charges a flat rate, whatever it may be. And I don't know what you're doing, Cyprian, but I'm sure you're doing something. <laughs> Alexander uh, was a... Go ahead. What are you doing, Cyprian? I'm teaching. Teaching? Religion. Religion. <laughs> Excellent. So in the future, he's gonna gonna teach Kundalini. <laughs> well, let me ask. Let me ask you, Cyprian. What religion are you teaching? Christian Orthodox. Christian Orthodox. So we're talking about Abraham on the rock. You're familiar with that story, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there, there was a rock involved, right? Am I right? There was. Okay. <laughs> All right. I wanted to make sure I get it right. Hey, Dr. Anthony, good to see you. Dr. Anthony is our resident psychiatrist. Yes, yes. If you need drugs, he's the man. He's the man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so here's Dr. Anthony. I'm going to use you as an example since you just came here and you don't know what we're talking about. Uh, I take it the dishes need to be done. So so get yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so say so, you know, Dr. Anthony's a psychiatrist, you know, he's gone to med school, he's 
He's uh, rated high with his peers. He's a scientist. All of these things. He's making good money. Okay. He, he works I for... Was. was making good money. And, uh, and uh, all of a sudden, Kundalini asks him, okay, give that all up. Give up the boat. Give up the chalet in Colorado. Give up the the uh, Porsche and the Land Rover and give up these things and follow the footsteps of St. Francis of Assisi. At the pinnacle of your income-making career, Dr. Anthony, what would you have said to that? Uh, <laughs> it would have been hard. <laughs> it would have been hard. Uh, exactly. And, you know, Dr. Anthony doesn't really know what we're talking about right now. And he, and so he can be completely honest about this without any front loading, right? Front loading of information. So, cause he just came on the program. And so, so it would be hard. But I was, I was ready for change at any moment. <laughs> Not that kind of change though. <laughs> well, not to walk in the footsteps of St. Francis of Assisi, right? Talking to the animals. What kind of delusionary state would that take? Well, see, for the last <laughs> 10 years, I've been getting these scratches. Well, I understand that. I understand yeah. that. But but this is at the pinnacle of your income-making career. So were you getting scratched then? Were you getting scratched 30 years ago? I got bit 30 years ago. I, I would get spontaneous bites. And how did, how did you explain that? How did you explain that to your colleagues? I didn't. <laughs> I didn't say a word. <laughs> but our, smart man. The, smart hosp man. the hospital where I worked, it was like an insane asylum. And, the, and it was right next to one of the largest cemeteries in Allegheny County. So, yeah. <laughs> go, go figure, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I'll tell you straight up, Dr. Anthony, you were not being bitten by a ghost from the cemetery. And you were not being bitten by itinerant entities from the insane asylum. You were being bitten by grace. I mean, who would have thought? Who would have thought that when you dream of a snake and it comes to you in the dream state, that you're supposed to reach out and let it bite you? How many of you would expect that? Come on, raise your hand. <laughs> Not many. So, so you know, this this is something that you really need to take into consideration. Kundalini is way outside of your expectations of how life should be lived. Way outside the expectations of a of a an, an MD working in a hospital way outside uh, the expectations of of a religious teacher, you know, teaching Orthodox Christianity. Kundalini reaches way... Cyprian, how do you explain to, to your students about your Kundalini? Or do you? No. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. That's okay. I'm not yet. It's okay. It's okay. You know, and it's it's not expected to and, and you have to understand that that is a that is a gift to them that you don't explain it to them. It's a gift because 
They're not ready to have that. They may be ready to have something that's been written down in a book. They can they can open up the book and say, okay. Uh, uh, Master Cyprian says, this conclusion, who has spent much time in, I, you know, all of this stuff, he says, this is, I have to read, you know, the, do you guys have a Bible? Do you guys follow a Bible? Yeah, yeah, okay. So I got to read Romans verse 16, stanza 12. And I have to memorize this for the next day because he's going to test me on this. So, so this is what they need to study. Okay. Many of them, not all of them, but many of them will need to study. <clears throat> I cannot do it. Not anymore. It's a little bit different. What do you do? Give us an example. Uh, I'm, I'm your student. I'm your student, Cyprian. Master I'm Cyprian. To follow the curricula. But I don't know, maybe to remind them some words, maybe a title and some few things. And after that, we can speak about life. Kind of like what uh, Sadguru does? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the student comes up to you and he says, uh, Master Cyprian, how I dreamed of a wolf the other night, and it was it was trying to get to me, and I was running away from the wolf. What would you say to that person? Give me a give me a sad guru response. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not that wise, but uh, you actually are. If it's not. Uh... Fast enough, there's no need to run. It'll get you. Anyway. That's so. right. That's right. Good advice. Don't run. Stop running. Yeah. Okay. Good, good. Excellent advice. How much of your teaching is controlled by your kundalini? I think all. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So would you sacrifice your job and your spouse and your family if Kundalini compelled you to? I don't know if I'm going to sacrifice it. I I, I don't understand how to sacrifice. If uh, leave, without leave, me. Leave the job, leave the family. Oh. Like, go in the woods or something by myself. No, I, I will take them with me. <laughs> you won't get to do that. <laughs> they will follow. You can't take them with you. You can't take any of it with you. It's some things you just have to do by yourself. You have to be alone with it. But I'm, I'm, this is an extreme example. And most people that have the kundalini will not be asked to sacrifice their family. They may be asked to sacrifice their job, their, their, uh, the level of income that they, that they receive, but they will not typically be asked to, to sacrifice their if family I at all. I did that because I should have been a priest because 
That's why I started to become a priest. And I'm not going to, I guess. Well, actually, you are. You are. It's just, may I, may I, may I say that? May I comment on that? Yes, please. You are a priest. You are a minister. You're just not a priest and a minister according to the rules and the administration of a specific belief system upon this world. You're a priest of grace, of kundalini. You're a kundalini priest. And so is Michael, and so is Karina, and so is Najmi and Jordan and David and Julia, Divya, Elizabeth. Uh, Joshua is a priest in the making. He's an alkalite at the moment. Alexander. <laughs> and even Tina. Tina's more of an alkalite at the moment, too. But you and Apaya, uh, you are a priest. All of you are priests and priestesses. You just don't go around with the name tag on. You don't go around. It's like, yeah, I'm a kundalini priest. I don't even do that. I, you know, I don't. Now, you know, one guy here in the States, and I'm sure it's more than one guy, but one guy that I know of here in the States, uh, he had psychic skills and he was able to teach psychic skills to the general public. And in, in order to avoid taxation, he created his own religion. And he created his own church. And the church is called the Church of Divine Man. Church of Divine Man. His name is Louis Bostwick, and he died. Uh, but I had direct interactions with him, and he was everything that he said he was. He was, you could visit him on the astral. You could, you know, there were there were a lot of things you could do with him. Um, and you got a lot of different levels of permission to use psychic forces. Uh, unfortunately, he had this, he he would use entities to as as everybody know what a familiar is y'all know what a familiar is a familiar is something that a witch uses in order to accomplish the magic that they want to a familiar can be in the form of a cat or a crow you got to look at you can say my 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 cat and crow are not familiars though they're just friends <laughs> but yeah uh So, so the scenario is really is, is, you know, when we get right down to it, it's about surrender, Cyprian, everybody. It's about surrender. You surrender to the force of kundalini within you. And you have to use the word kundalini. That's why I say to Cyprian, he's a kundalini priest. He's not a Christian priest. He's not an Islamic priest. He's not a Buddhist priest. He's a Kundalini priest. And the reason why I use the word Kundalini, that ancient Sanskrit word, is because it is non-denominational. Now, I know some of the Hindus go, oh, no, 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 it's part of our culture, therefore we own the word, and therefore, you know, you can't say that word without our permission. Well, that's just a bunch of bullshit. That's just a bunch of, you know, spiritual pride and egotism expressing itself. 
the ancient Sanskriti people, of which there are none left, okay, it is a dead language. It is a language that is, they're trying to revive it, but what they can't revive is the culture and the society that birthed the language. You know, and there are a lot of reasons for that. You know, the British came in and tried to wipe out the culture of of, of the Indian uh, nation. And all of these types of things, you know, get into the way of rebirthing an actual uh, culture. And, and people are too used to their TVs. They'll buy a TV before they'll get a toilet. So as you... Uh, as you say the word kundalini, not only are you in the act of rebirthing that culture, you're rebirthing the culture through the through the mechanism of sound waves of what they intended when they said the word kundalini. And the Sanskriti people were pursuing the kundalini. Not everybody in the Sanskriti uh, culture had the kundalini. But the rishis were part of the Sanskriti culture. Am I right, Tina? Just give me a nod. Yeah. The rishis were part of the Sanskriti culture. The rishis are the ones that wrote the Rig Veda, the Sama Veda, and all the different Vedas that uh, that still survive today. And I believe there are around six different books of information that the rishis left. Uh, Rig Veda, Sama Veda being two of those. Uh, what are the other ones, Tina? <laughs> wish that's i a, knew that's all right don't worry don't worry all right so when you say the word kundalini you literally revive that culture and the meaning of that word which was created by the people of that dead culture you bring it back to life literally it's the same way as if you're saying, uh, oh, thank you, Divya, the Atharvana Veda and the Sama Veda, and there are like a few others too. As you say the word Kundalini, you bring that back into life. And, and the Sanskrit language has 96 letters in it. 96 letters. I believe it's 96. And it takes a while to learn. It takes it takes a while to learn, but it's a it represents a culture that supported Kundalini acquisition. Okay, meaning that they were supportive of it. Not everybody got to have it. It's the same as today. Not everybody gets to have it because not everybody's ready to have it. But at the time of the flourishing of the Sanskriti nation, there were enough people that could have it, that they devised uh, words in their language that would bring it forth. And so when you say, I give myself to Kundalini, when you're encountering a, a difficult time, you're encountering a difficult time, it's, uh, you might be seeing an entity or a, dem a demonic force is coming at you or, you know, a tiger or whatever. Uh, and and you're, you're, you're standing there in the jungle and the tiger is looking at you like you're the next meal. And you say, I give myself to Kundalini. That has a tremendous level of power. And when you say, I give myself to Kundalini, what is it you're doing exactly? 
You're surrendering. You're surrendering, surrendering the control of your life to the kingdom of heaven within, the kundalini. Now, the, the kundalini, the kingdom of heaven within, is not your typical religion. It's not Orthodox Christianity. It's not Judaism. It's not shamanism. It's not... Uh, uh, it's it's not any of the offshoots of of Christianity, Mormon or um, uh, the other one that goes door to door. <laughs> I keep forgetting. Um, it's not like that at all. You can tell by some of the writings of people that you know for a fact have kundalini. You can tell that within some of the writings, there are the seeds of what were written in the Bible. Do do unto others as you would have others do unto you, that type of thing. You know, Don't covet somebody else's wife. Don't uh, whatever. You know, all the do's and don'ts the, of, of the Christian Bible. Uh, but it doesn't, it's not managed in the way that a religion, a religious organization is managed. Uh, you know, Cyprian, you know, he's teaching uh, Orthodox Christianity, but it's based upon a very, very clear and, and, and uh, in some way, competitive, competitive format of Christianity. Orthodox versus what? Unorthodox? And if it's unorthodox, does that mean it's not true? It's not right? It's not to be worshipped? It's not to be read? It's not to be taught? Okay, so, and, and then you have other people, you know, it's the same thing with, with Judaism. Oh, does it go against the Torah? You know, does it go against, you know, our age-old writings that we have to live our life by? You know, orthodox religion. Kundalini is not a religion. It's a consciousness, a divine consciousness that is the seed source of all religions. This is where you are right now. You are having the consciousness of grace inside you, planting the seeds of a new religion. A religion that is that does not that does not depend on a form of Roman torture on two pieces of wood with a with a human body nailed to it. Okay. No longer are you required to look up at a cross and say, Oh, that person shed his blood for my forgiveness, because guess what? Nobody gets away with anything. Your sins belong to you, and you will pay the karmic price. Nobody who's being pawned off to you as the son of God is going to die for your sins. This is bullshit. Bull poo-poo. <laughs> Because I know Cyprian had his little kid out there, so I shouldn't say shit. But uh, yes, 
<clears throat> I have my <clears throat> ah. plugs. And so you're saying I, I can say shit? You can say whatever you want. <laughs> well, you know. I know parents with little kids, they, they tend to adopt the, the linguistics of little children. So, so I'll say poo-poo. It's bull poo-poo, okay? Uh, and it's not to be believed. It is not to be believed. And it's not to be mentally or emotionally ingested into your system. And it's not to be taught to other people. Now, what Cyprian is doing, because I'm reading Cyprian now. I hope you're okay with that. I'm reading into Cyprian, and I can see what he does is he cherry-picks things from the orthodox teachings that align with his kundalini. Am I right? So he cherry-picks. this. Che you know what a cherry is, right? Cherry-picking. He, he picks out selected uh, subjects that correspond with the teachings that his kundalini want him to give to his students. That's how he does it. That's how he, and it's perfect. That's a perfect thing. So you can do it, but you have to surrender to the grace within. You And you have to practice this. I don't know if Cyprian's doing the five Tibetans or the safeties practice or any of that. That would be a no. <clears throat> Barely, barely. <laughs> How did the Kundalini come to you in the first place, Cyprian? I don't know. <clears throat> I was looking. I was always searching. Yeah. I, I, that's why I wanted to become a priest from childhood. I always knew I had to become a priest. And, and, <clears throat> and congratulations, I, you've become one. <laughs> did you have a did you have a uh, an experience that that you know you felt the energy come up and over or anything like that happen? No. Are you look I, are you looking for that? Not really. I, if it's going to be are, are, are you open to it? Yes, of course. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. We may have something to do about that then. This will help. So, so this is what I'm talking about. Surrender is a huge subject. Um, you know, everything from from if you have if you're in a relationship that isn't supportive of your kundalini and the kundalini wants you to terminate that relationship. Well, what do you do? What do you do? How do you make that choice? What do you say to your spouse? Holly? <laughs> what do you say to your spouse when, it, when the kundalini has made it clear to you that it that this this relationship is no longer serving you. Do you say, "Oh, honey, my kundalini told me 
we have to break up. What do you say? Dr. Anthony, what do you say? You're the you're the you're the professional here. <laughs> you're the marriage counselor. <laughs> You said it was on Saturday. What question was that? What What do you say to your spouse? You know, if the Kundalini says your relationship is no longer serving you, you must end it. Oh. <laughs> how would you How would you bring that up? Would you say, "Oh, honey, my Kundalini told me it's time to end the relationship." I would never end my relationship. I would no matter, not. No matter no. how how you were scratched and bitten. Excuse me. The dogs are fighting. <laughs> the dogs are fighting. Oh yeah, I hate that. That's a horrible sound. I know that sound. Um see and and we were talking to Dr. Anthony, right? As his spouse is there who doesn't buy into any of this kundalini. She was walking around the kitchen, did you see? <laughs> <laughs> Putting him on the spot. I'm sorry, uh, Dr. Anthony. Absolutely. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. So this is, I, this, we're talking about surrender and here. And I know I, the truth of you, Dr. Anthony, and I know that you would. If she told you, if the Kundalini compelled you to leave, you would leave. I've already been through one divorce. Yeah. And it wasn't something that I initiated. Um, I don't think I could go through another one. But right now, my daughter's going through a divorce, and it's a real heartache. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. But I would never want to inflict that pain on anybody else. Well, here's the thing. Sometimes you to surrender fully to the Kundalini, you need to have the heartbreak. The heart needs to be shattered. We talked about this yesterday at the manifestation group. Mm -hmm. In order to have the emotional body uh, merge into the divine body, the emotional body will need to fracture. The, the body that's represented by the heart will need to fracture so that divinity can put it back together. And it will put it back together. Sometimes it'll take a year or longer or shorter. Sometimes it just takes three months. But the divinity will put it back together. And this is... This is the level that we're talking about here. I've already had to. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dr. Anthony. Actually, my heart was really fractured. And, um, oh, my gosh. I, I don't know if I could go through that again. <laughs> I really yeah. don't. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really difficult. But it also is really, really beneficial. If you're not in a relationship that is supportive of your kundalini, 
the kundalini will destroy the relationship. If you're in a relationship that is supportive of the kundalini, she won't harm it at all because it's supportive. Okay. But if you're in a I relationship, have to, I have to I have to give credit to my wife because she's been with me through all these scratches. I mean, she just shakes her head and says, "I don't know what this is," but she never criticized me for it. Yeah, she does other things though, doesn't she? Yeah, um, I I just her her way manner of cleaning house is <laughs> much to be desired. <laughs> Let me let me read to you what Joshua writes. Uh, Joshua uh, is a is a new member of our Zoom group here, and I and I want to welcome him. and And this is what he's writing. He says, "In the religion I grew up in, following the inspiration of the Spirit is considered to be first priority, even when it's extreme. But at the same time, we were told that you judge." whether it's the spirit based on whether it's a good thing or not. But I don't think we were taught very well how to distinguish inspiration from non-inspiration. And there were often situations where people would say, the spirit told me to marry you and things like that. Sometimes that didn't work out. Well, I, I think you're absolutely correct. And I think it's not just the religion you grew up in, but it's any and all religions. Nobody is teaching the, the way to discern good from bad, really, within a relationship, uh, but also within other things, too. Holly says, I would divorce my husband if that's what my kundalini wanted. She has improved my marriage. Okay, so there's the other end of, of the spectrum. If the, mar if the marriage isn't supporting the kundalini, then the kundalini will just step in and improve the marriage until it starts to support the kundalini because the couple have energetic dynamics that the kundalini wants to expand hi divya good to see you all right so so this is very important now with with what joshua wrote it's extremely important to understand that nobody is teaching anybody how to discern good from evil except they are cyprian is teaching people how to discern good from evil He's doing it based upon the teachings that he has is familiar with. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Am I right? Is that something that we work we work towards in your teachings? Yes. <clears throat> yes. And I, I I I told them that's from Confucius, not from Jesus, actually. <laughs> so it's older than Confucius says that's such and such, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. That's good. So there are, Joshua, there are teachings that you can use to discern good from evil. Uh, but I think people are too casual in some religions. They're too casual with this. It's just, oh, the spirit. You know, there's this really bodacious, beautiful woman, right? So it's like, oh, the spirit told me to marry you, you know, and it's more like the penis told him to marry her okay so so there's a difference between uh sexual attraction and spiritual knowledge and that also needs to be addressed and especially you know when you're dealing with people that are 
that are being uh, pushed to meet each other at an age when the hormones are raging out of control, then it's going to be more of a hormonal communication than it will be a spiritual communication often. I won't say always, but I will say often. Uh, people, people have to understand that they have, they have hormonal conditions that will comprise a feelings of needing to merge with another person. And those feelings of merging and the desire to start a family will uh, impose itself upon a person. And they may interpret that imposition as the spirit speaking to them. Do you, do you agree, Joshua? Yeah, okay, all right. So the scenario is, 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 With that level, that what you wrote, uh, Joshua, the Kundalini will come to you in no uncertain terms. But it will come to you in ways that you were taught to refuse. And same with Cyprian. The Kundalini will come to you as a serpent. Seriously. Uh, this kundalini will come to you as a big anaconda or some sort of poisonous snake. And that snake will talk to you in the dream state. Say, let's say you go to bed, you, you start dreaming. You see a serpent come to you in the dream state and it starts to talk to you. Well, what's the first thing that comes to your mind, Cyprian? I'm only as. <laughs> What's the first thing that comes to your mind, Joshua? From your religious standpoint, uh, when a snake bites me, or no, sorry, what was the situation? When you're dreaming of a snake and it starts to talk to you, oh, um, the devil, Satan, yeah, yeah, yeah has that exactly, uh, connotation exactly. That's that's the programming, and so you can see that that in many uh, religious systems, not Hinduism, Hinduism wouldn't, wouldn't see it that way. Hinduism would not, shamanism would not see it that way at all. But Christianity would definitely see it that way because the Christians don't want you. The Christians, the Christian orthodoxy and, and, and the, the teachings of the orthodoxy do not want you to have the information that the serpent provides. They've taught you from the beginning not to eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge. And of course, the fruit is this beautiful red apple, which of course represents the first chakra, which is the place where the kundalini lies dormant within each individual. So if you bite of the fruit of the tree of knowledge, you basically are in are activating the kundalini. Now, are you ready to do that, Joshua? Are you ready to go against all those years of programming and bite of the apple of the tree of knowledge? Yeah, well, I feel like that that's an easy one. <laughs> Say again? Say again. I feel like that's an easy one. Um, I mean... 
like knowledge um knowledge is a good thing i guess the i guess the analogy never made sense to me of the adam and Eve. yeah yeah no i hear you i hear yeah. you i hear you and here's the thing you know it has nothing to do with satan it has nothing to do with the devil except it represents the knowledge of good and evil which teaches you to determine which is what Some people say ignorance is bliss. So should Adam and Eve should have just wandered around the Garden of Eden, talking to the animals and hanging out, or should they have evolved? Which is, of course, what they did. They evolved. We are designed to evolve. Our blueprint on our DNA is towards evolution. The telomeres within our DNA are towards evolution. Telomeric response. You, everybody know what a telomere is? A telomere is a part of the, of the genetic anatomy. And when a cell divides, it's the telomeres within the cell, within the nucleus of the cell, that determine how long you're going to live, uh, what characteristics you have. It's a telomeric response. Am I right, Dr. Anthony? I always thought the telomere was a part of the chromosome towards well, the is. end of the chromosome. Which which is that, part of the um, nucleus of the cell. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it has something to do with the reproduction of those chromosomes and you know how long that chromosome can actually last right that's the that that determines how many times the cell can replicate that's right that's right, right. so so this is all understood thank you doctor thank you for that uh this is all understood by your kundalini this is all understood by by the grace of god expressing itself within you Divinity created the telomeric response. Divinity, divinity created the chromosomal response. Divinity created cell replication. Divinity created the entire blueprint of who you are. And it takes knowledge to have that. You have to bite that red apple that sits at the base of your spine. And once you've bitten it, it doesn't matter who you are or what you're doing. Once you've bitten it, it bites you. The apple bites you back. And through that, in, I know people are having a hard time. To, and through that bite, the bite of the red apple, it injects venom into your body, into your consciousness, into your egotism. And that venom carries with it the knowledge of good and evil, the knowledge of how life is and what life is. You can see kind of how people have taken specific stories and advertised those stories in religious writings and left some stories out. 
you know, you go to the Council of Nicaea for Christianity and, you know, that was the great, uh, you know, that's when they took out Mary Magdalene's information. That's when they took out the Book of Jubilees. That's when they took out Enoch's information, the Book of Enoch. That's when they took out all of the books that would point towards an individual harboring and harnessing the kingdom of heaven within. Can't have people organizing themselves in a way that would detract from central control. And that has continued for, you know, for 2,000 years since then. 20, 2,300 years, I guess, since then. Is it? Yeah, no, 2,000 years. <laughs> so kundalini comes along and decides just to start really initiating itself in people we have mass communication now we have the internet you didn't have the internet in 1870 you didn't have the internet in 1650 you didn't have the internet in the year 2000 when christ was supposedly crucified we didn't have mass communication we do now We can have these meetings. You could not have these meetings unless you belonged to like a temple or a religious order. You would not be able to have these types of meetings that we're having right now, a hundred years ago. You had to belong to a church or some organization uh, like the Rosicrucians or the Masons who were basically carrying on the Egyptian traditions, which I don't represent. I do not represent the Egyptian traditions. Part of the Egyptian tradition was, was the manufacture and consummation of white powder gold in order to push people into a kundalini activation without any preparation whatsoever. Sink or swim. I don't buy that. I think you can learn how to swim. <laughs> I used to teach swimming. You can learn how to swim. You can learn how to sing. You can learn how to how to open yourself to kundalini. Now you're never going to be totally prepared for kundalini unless you learn how to surrender. Unless you learn how to surrender the negative programming that you grew up with, that you were programmed with that was forced upon you as a baby and open to the new information that the kundalini is bringing. I had no idea I was going to talk about this today. As you understand, I don't have a script. These are the words of the grace within me that are being given to you to make specific levels of change in you that will support your surrender to the grace within you. There literally can be nothing that you will not do if your kundalini compels you to do. There can be no lines in the sand. You can't draw a line in the sand and say, kundalini, don't cross that line. Or you're going to do what? 
What are you going to, how are you going to resist the divine within you? When it says, quit your job, sell your boat. How are you going to resist it when it says no longer do what you're doing to make money? Telling Magali, who's a, an English teacher, you can no longer teach English. Now you have to become a fisherwoman off the coast of Marseille. I hope you get a boat. <laughs> and Magali, she's strong enough. She could become a good fisherwoman. But she'd feel so sorry for the fish that it would be difficult. Okay. You've got to be willing to give it all up, my friends. Not your children. But you've got to give up everything that you allow your ego to attach to. I like to use diet uh as some of the primary teachings that that happen when the kundalini comes and the first thing i have you do is give up caffeine yes sir go ahead cyprian i did <clears throat> i did you and gave up caffeine i feel much better well how about the heroin did you give that up yet no i never tried <laughs> Only cocaine. <laughs> Just the cocaine. Not the cocaine. <laughs> and THC. Mm, that's, mm. How about the alcohol? Oh, I give up as well. Give it up. <laughs> After a long, long relationship. Really? Seriously? 30 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was never allowed to like alcohol. I tried hard, though. I really tried hard. I'd come home and I'd want to fit in with my friends from work. I'd have a hard day's work in the agricultural areas of California, central California. And I'd come home and, and, and everybody's there gathered around the TV and they're drinking beer, right? I've always hated the taste of beer. Couldn't stand the smell of it. But I would sit there and I'd put down a six pack or as best I could and for me, four beers was about it, about all I could do. And uh, and I would try that, and, and it just didn't work out for me at all. And I could never do the hard vodka, you know, type scenarios. So I wasn't allowed to do that. How about cigarettes, Cyprian? Did you ever have that addiction? 16 years. 16 years. Is it still happening? No, I'm free. Ah, good, 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 good. good. I'm caught. Good, good, good. So this is what this is what I like to do is I like to initiate teachings that force a person to give up something that they're addicted to. And that's like caffeine is a great addiction. Nicotine is a great addiction. Alcohol is a great addiction. Sex is a great addiction. Food is a great addiction. Sugar is a great addiction. And if you look in the safety protocols, you'll see that I'm having you give up sugar too. But the Kundalini won't totally allow you to give up sugar. She'll she'll compel you to break 
to break the fast of sugar because everything gets transformed into sugar in the body anyway. It's called glucose. Okay. But for the most part, you don't have to be living off of Snickers, candy bars, or any other kinds of candy unless you work for Mike Fry. And then, you know, that's your lunch. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Surrender is the most important thing that you can do for the Kundalini. Surrender. And so I ask you, I say, hey, do your research. Ask your Kundalini. If you're saying I give myself to, to my Kundalini during a hard time, during a time where you're being terrorized by an entity or a demonic force, you're saying I give myself to Kundalini, I give myself to Kundalini, demonstrate that surrender when she asks you or compels you to give up a certain thing demonstrate your surrender she'll work with you she'll work with you it's one of the one of the many ways that she'll work with you is is through sleep or kriyas kriyas are another way kriyas are spontaneous automatic movements that the kundalini will put the body into in order to infuse itself into into the body in a greater way and people will have these spontaneous yoga positions come upon them but what if you're in a company meeting and the kriyas want to come what choice do you have but to deny them You're denying the kundalini now. You're denying the hand of divine within you. You're denying it. What about that? So she'll work with you. You say, uh, my kundalini, I will give you all the rest of the day. But during the business meetings or when I'm around people that can observe these things to keep me out of the psych ward, let's let's do the Kriyas at night. Let's do the Kriyas any other time besides when I'm being viewed uh, because I'm standing up in front of a classroom full of people trying to teach them English. Maybe the Kriyas are not going to be helpful for anyone at that time. Right? So she will deal with you. And the same thing goes with sleep. Typically, in the activated stage and early awakening stages, you won't need as much sleep. And she'll wake you up spontaneously at three in the morning uh, for you to do a meditation or a prayer or five Tibetans, whatever it may be, she'll, she'll compel you to do. Um, but you may feel, because of your programming, that you need more sleep. Here in the United States, the programming is you need eight hours of sleep every night. That's the programming that you're taught from a childhood. So you need eight hours of sleep every night. You need to work five days a week with the weekends off, right? That's the typical programming. Matter of fact, I think that's what Mike Fry goes by, right? You got that. Those are your time, right? So this is the, this is the typical hours of business and activity that take place. Well, if you give her a level of surrender she may give you more sleep just to feed 
the psychosis that you have through the expectation from programming that you need more sleep. It's a cultural psychosis that is placed upon people that they need to operate within certain hours of the day or night, and they need to have certain levels of, of food or sleep in their system. It is a cultural programming that takes place. Cyprian, what country are you in, sir, if I may ask? Romania. Romania, that's right. Bucharest. No. All right. Moldavia, it's like Moldavia, Moldavia. Okay, all right. It's Romania, but <clears throat> it's re the region. It's called Moldavia. Pretty close it, to Ukraine. Yes, pretty close. Near the former Soviet Union, like fifty kilometers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. I hear. Did you grow up behind the curtain? Mm, no. Not behind the court, near the court. We were under the communists till '89 with Ceausescu. Maybe you heard. Oh, Ceausescu, really? So it was Romania then. I didn't yeah. know he was in charge of Mold Moldavia. So yes, ah, yeah, okay. Romania, but it's Transylvania, Moldavia. There are regions. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> All right. And now there's a country called Moldavia as well. It used to be Romania, but Soviet Union took it. World War II and just, just, they just like to take countries, don't they? Just, yeah. Oh, we decided we're going to take this today. <laughs> well, the United States does similar things, too, similar cultures. So nobody's nobody's uh, innocent here. Yeah. So, so the scenario is... <clears throat> Every culture has its programming that it puts its citizens through. Okay. Uh, the capitalist countries of the West, like the United States, uh, but also the, the, the ex-communist uh, cultures of the East that still have uh, adults that grew up behind uh, a level of communism that was supported by the Soviet Union. These people are still there, okay? And these people have the opportunity for Kundalini even at the age that they're at right now. And so once again, they will also go through levels of surrender, surrendering the cultural attachments in order to give themselves deeper into connection with the Kundalini. But she will deal with you. She... She will try to make it work for you. She understands who you are and what you are. You see, this is the thing that many of the uh, teachers that promote unity, they say it's all about, we are one, we are one, we are one. I forget what they're called. Um, somebody can help me out there. Uh, but these, these, these teachers promote unity all the time. Unity, unity, unity. They forget that it's both unity and singularity at the same time. Unity and, you know, the plural singularity. The plural singularity. And this is what she's teaching you. This is what your grace is teaching you. You'll all have the kundalini. You'll all have uh, some of the similar divine attributes of, of divinity 
but you'll have it within the unique expression that you are. You're still a fabric of humanity, but you're a unique thread within that fabric. And part of that uniqueness is the surrender that you need to initiate within your grace. If you're going to say, I give myself to Kundalini, are you lying? Are you lying? Are you saying something just so that you can get some sort of response, some sort of protection, some sort of uh, payoff in some way? Are you lying to the divine? When you say, I give myself to Kundalini, ask yourself that question. Are you lying or are you saying the truth? Really important. Because she's hearing you. She's hearing you right now. You know, it's that whole Santa Claus. He knows what you're thinking, knows when you're awake, knows if you've been good or bad, right? Well, this is the Kundalini. And it's not just taking place on Christmas. It's every single day. Every single day. She knows what you're thinking. She knows what you're doing. She knows what your little plans are. She knows how you're scheming to do a certain thing. She knows that you've collected things that you don't need to collect. She knows that you haven't cleaned up your house for decades. She knows that you're not taking very good care of your car and that it's going to break down. Okay? She knows you. She's intimately involved in your life. Intimately involved in your life. So when are you going to start trusting her? Sacred Mother, the Sacred Mother part of the Kundalini. She's the one connected pretty much with the earth and the nurturing and the growing and the gestation of the soul towards an awakening. When are you going to start trusting her? Ask yourself that question. When will I trust my Kundalini? And do you wait until you're attacked by by negative forces to give yourself to kundalini? Do you wait for that moment? It's like, well, you know, I don't know if kundalini really exists. I mean, you know, I haven't been attacked by a demon today, so, you know, I don't know if I really want to give myself to the kundalini. Or, you know, maybe you just left a, a religion that you felt was lying to you, and you just kind of go, well, you know, you know, I just got out of this full-on indoctrination type deal. I mean, do I want to give myself to something else that sounds even worse? <laughs> that you never can get away from, you know? I mean, it's, gosh, you know, you go to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. Okay, fine, fine. I'll go to church on Wednesdays and Sundays. But, geez, Louise, every day? 24-7? What's it like, Mike? What's it like going to church every day 
Her church is fine. The regular church, not so much. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean that that you know the Sacred Mother Church is great because they're with you all the time. You know, now, it's not all the so, dogs about everything. So says the man who has not had a DNS. Oh, I me? Oh, I've had DNSs. Oh, I definitely right. had. Yeah, okay. I had. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, for years. Yeah, they last for yeah. a long time. Sometimes. Yeah. Okay, all right. So he has the reason. He he knows both ends of the spectrum. How many of you have had a DNS? Dark night of the soul. Dark night of the soul. How many of you had more than one? Okay. Good, good. <laughs> Don't look so worried. <laughs> it's not a it's not a requirement. I mean, you know, if you're lucky enough not to have had a recurring DNS or more than one, then that's a good thing. That means you got it all done at one time instead of multiple times. So good on you. Good on you, everybody. Joshua says, um, uh, he wrote this a, a, a few minutes ago. He says, maybe the challenge, just a second. Yeah. Maybe the challenge is that the more difficult the ask, the more you want to be sure the ask is coming from the right source. What are you asking? What are you asking for? And what are uh, you doing? I mean, yeah. the, the sacrifice. By ask, I meant sacrifice from Kundalini. Right. Well, how do you feel about Kundalini at the moment? Uh, good. I mean, uh, like, like I like it's like inner inspiration, which I've sort of gotten used to listening to, and uh, I'm trying to remind myself to keep listening to it. And when I don't, you know, every now and then I'll like think like like some idea will come, and then I'll ignore it and then i'll realize oh i should listen to that so that's how i'll see it okay all right as it as it increases its its uh, presence within you um open yourself to to the changes that come in your attitude based upon the changes that come into your understanding feel yourself expand Here's one way to, to know about negative versus positive information. Negative does not share power ever. It always takes power. The positive gives power. Kundalini empowers you. It doesn't disempower you. It gives you power. Evil takes power takes it away from you, okay? So you can look at it that way. How does any situation serve you? Does it serve you? Does it, does it serve you at the sacrifice of others? And if that sacrifice of others, is that powerful so that you can, can eat a hamburger, do 10 other people have to starve? Is that good? 
So you have to really think about it. You have to discern for yourself how you need to interpret the life and the culture that you're in right now. One of the things that you really want to start looking at is how honest you are. How honest, how often do you lie to yourself about anything? Oh, it'll get better. <laughs> it'll get better. I just have to work harder. Or, or, you know, you lie to your spouse, even a small little thing like, you know, I'm feeling fine, honey, when you're not feeling fine. When your child comes up to you and looks deeply into your eyes like Cyprian's beautiful little girl, and she says, how are you doing, daddy? And you say, oh, I'm fine, honey. I'm fine when you're not fine. You're lying right to her face. Because you think you're saving her feelings. You think you think you're 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 giving her a confident, competent father figure that never gets upset except you know in extreme areas. How honest are you? How often do you lie to yourself? Do you lie to others? And how often do you lie to your kundalini or think you're lying? Because you can't really lie to her because she already knows the truth. But how often do you let your ego understand that she already knows the truth? There is no privacy at all from kundalini. There is no privacy at all from Kundalini. So give up that fantasy right now. Give up that fantasy about, well, in my private life or in, behind my private thoughts that I don't share with any. She shares everything that you think. Divinity knows. There is nothing that she does not get to partake of. All the dirty secrets that you hold or that you think are dirty, all the, the malicious thoughts that you have sometimes, all the evil that you bought into at times. She's got the whole list. So give up this fantasy about privacy and realize that she's with you every second of the day and let this color your thinking. That's what I had to do. And still do. Let it color your thinking. Let it color how you treat other people. How you treat other people. How you treat perfect strangers in your life. How you treat the people that are abusing you or conflicting with you or having issues with you or not living up to your expectations. 
where do your expectations come from? Where do they come from? Anybody? Trusty, where do your expectations come from? Uh, the first thing that came to my mind was my ego. Yeah. Yeah, from the ego. But also from the egotism of society. You have your ego, and then you have another ego that is the ego of society. Here in the States, you're expected to earn a living and to pay your taxes and to pay attention to what the government wants you to do. Okay? If you own a company, then you have to pay extra taxes. If, if you... Uh, also, if you own a company, you, you have safety guidelines that you must follow or you'll be prosecuted and thrown in prison. You have safety guidelines. You have taxation guidelines. You have quality assurance guidelines. These are the egotism of your culture, of your society. And yes, yes, they go well with, with your own ego because they're the ones that are programmed your ego within you. Okay? So your egotism has a lot of support from the society that you live in, but you are different now. You are within the activation of grace within you. You do not have to respond to people through your egotism, whether it's cultural egotism or personal egotism. Now you must change. You must. She gives you a compelling that you have to follow. You, you, just, you don't have a choice in it anymore. You used to have choices. People hate it when I say this. So. I say, well, once you have Kundalini, you no longer have the freedom of choice. <laughs> and they go, oh, no, no, no. No, God gave us the freedom of choice. We have the freedom of choice. It's like, no, not with Kundalini. You don't you don't even get to choose what you eat. <laughs> you don't get to choose what you eat. You don't get to choose if you have sex. You don't get to choose what your job is. You don't get to choose how you relate to other people. Because if you've surrendered to your Kundalini, those choices are made by the divine grace that is comprising half of you now. The hand of God, the tongue of God, the voice of God, the consciousness of divinity gets to make those choices to support its presence within you. What do you think of that? What do you think, Alexander? Trying to stay awake? <laughs> true, true story, Master. <laughs> what do you think, Chris Van Hoop? Sometimes it's uh, very conflicting. Um, 
for instance, uh, for now, for me, example, uh, um, I uh, get kind of message uh, not to have uh, sex anymore. Although I met somebody new and yeah, it's very uh, strange, but I'm going to follow it. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's not having sex in the same way. Here's no. the thing. You can touch a person. You can just touch them. And you've already merged. You've merged fluidically. And you've merged energetically. Mm -hmm. But it's the energetic merging that matters the most. Just by touching a person. That in and of itself can be a sexual act. Think about it. And then think about the, you know, what uh, she's showing me this now. Think about the prelude to that touch. What are you feeling in your heart? Now, are you having sex for an orgasm? Why are you having sex? Why do you want to merge with that other person? What is the purpose that you're going into with this? And if you have the purpose of love and, and affinity and wanting to merge with that individual, what is the pretext of the touch? What are you feeling before you touch them? What emotions are radiating from your fourth chakra before you touch them? And when you touch them, it, can this not be the culmination of all of that pretext? And then, boom, you physicalize it. You physicalize it. It's an insane. It's an insanely amazing experience. If you, I think, I think it's. It, I think it's because of my uh, uh, for the healing capacity that I have to stop. I think because my grandmother was also a healer, and uh, she was a very early widow, and she said all the time, "You're gonna take over my my job and all that. Uh, you're gonna help people." <laughs> and no pressure. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> Well, then stop, because it's also helpful to your kundalini to stop. Yes, I know. Yeah, yeah. It goes for all of you masturbators out there. <laughs> Male or female. You know, you want to kind of like bring that down to a lower volume if you can. Sex is an addiction. And when, you, when you're raised in a pornographic environment, like here in the West, where every advertisement you see is pushing you towards sex and all the television programs are pushing you towards sex and the internet's pushing you towards sex. It's time to, to turn down the volume of sexual exploitation. Okay. All right. Any questions about what we've been discussing with regards to surrender? Nobody's asked me the important question yet, though. What's the important question I'm waiting for someone to ask me? 
You are still pain in your foot? What? You are no, still pain in no, your my, foot? My foot cleared up. My foot cleared up. I want to thank everybody who gave me the healing on the foot yesterday. Seriously cleared up. No pain at all whatsoever. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you. And thank you to the Kundalini for listening. Thank you very much. I was in so much pain. Anyway, um, what's the unasked question that I'm waiting for someone to ask? What is it? Come on. It's very basic question. 23 people. Come on, folks. How do you surrender? How? How do you surrender, Mike? You just do. How? What do you just do? That's not helpful. I, I mean, I don't know how to explain it. I mean, you just do. And then once you surrender a couple of times, and then, then you realize the impact of that, then you don't want to not surrender, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? You know, or or you know you should have surrendered and you didn't, and then you feel the ramification of that, and then it's like, okay, I better surrender next time. There you go. Yeah. So it's, you just do it. You just do you, so Mike, your your yeah. advice to people is you just do it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. All right. All right. Jordan, Jordan, how do you surrender? I don't I don't think he's gonna answer me. Holly, how do you surrender? Holly's got six kids, so I'm not sure she's going to answer either. Magali, how do you surrender? Divya says, just you, let you her... sacrifice. What? Go ahead. By sacrificing, sacrificing your desires. Ah... What do you think of that, folks? Sacrificing your desires, sacrificing what you want to do and replacing it with what Kundalini wants you to do. Divya says something similar. She says, just let her, meaning Shakti, do her thing and not resist. How many of you are doing that? Holly says, give up control. How many of you are giving up control? How many of you are doing that? How many of you? You're doing that, Tina? Really? Keep it up. Keep it up. It goes back to how honest you are. How honest are you? Are you going to tell yourself a lie in order to try to get yourself to believe the lie in order to program yourself to do a certain thing? Which I can see. There's a positivity to that. It's kind of like feeding yourself a script that isn't true and then making that script true within yourself. But it doesn't start off as honest, but it becomes honest. How truthful are you to others? 
Do you lie to your kids? Mike, do you lie to your kids? Yes. Yeah, very rarely, but yeah, I mean, I I think it's in yeah in the society we live. I don't know if you can't not lie at some point about something, <laughs> you know, even if it's just a little light lie, like you said earlier, where it's just you know you don't want to tell the kids about the shitty day you had, so you just tell them that you know you're you're fine when you're not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's difficult. It's difficult not to lie in a society that rewards lies. Even about your birthday. Oh, it's a surprise birthday party. Can't say anything. Right. Oh, we don't want to tell her that, that, that her mom passed away. We'll let that happen later. You know, these types of lies, even though they're for the benefit, you know, the greater good, you might say, they're still lies. Joshua says, for me, it might be useful experiment to always do something different than what I initially want to do. Not that I always wouldn't want to do what Kundalini wants to do, but not, but to not get stuck in the default. Um, I don't know if you're planning on doing something different, then your egotism is still behind the plan. You know, are you testing grace? Are you testing divinity to 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 show itself in some way by you not falling into the the you know getting stuck in the default? What is the purpose of doing something differently? We are incredibly creative creatures. We can create different scenarios at the drop of a hat. So I don't know that that would be helpful. I think the useful experiment for you would be to be honest with your relationship to your kundalini. That's the first thing. Be honest with her, sacred mother, and, and begin a series of self-realizations that allow you to act upon that honesty. So here's an example. You got... Magali or Cyprian, and they're teaching in front of a group of people. And instead of following the the guideline of a teaching book or manual or whatever they're following, I think Cyprian has more freedom than Magali does in that regard. But speaking from the Kundalini to the people rather than from the written guide, speaking from your grace, pushing elements of, of the kundalini-based spiritual uh, living, being forgiving, um, being tolerant, being strong in your commitments, being truthful, being honest, uh, being self-disciplined, teaching from those levels. Now, Magali does that, you know, repetez-moi, I am a, I, I am an independent person. Repetez-moi. I am, right? Sort of, kind of, right? So, so, teaching from levels of grace. It's like, every time you say something, it comes out as diamonds. Diamonds coming out of your mouth, diamonds of wisdom, of truth, 
diamonds of grace. And and the people that listen to you, some of those people will have a kundalini, they'll be attracted to the energy of kundalini. And those are the people that you want to nourish with kundalini information. You listen to Sadhguru, that is not kundalini information. That's more common sense. Sadhguru comes from a level of common sense. Can I say something to that? Yeah, go ahead. He, he even makes makes people afraid from Kundalini. Mm -hmm. Really? That's right. Especially if they've grown up with lies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does. It does. It, it does. Uh, and that's okay. Because you can ameliorate that fear. You can you can bring the volume of that fear down by just speaking its truth. You know, uh, when, when you're teaching people about kundalini or you're just expressing a kundalini life, just doing good things for other people, doing good things for the environment, doing good things for animals, you know, a lot of like what Dr. Anthony does. I'm not holding him up, you know, as a saint yet, but he's on the way. But he's, you know, he's, he, you know, he's putting his finances towards helping other people. He's putting his energies towards helping animals and 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 other creatures. He's putting himself in a position of service, like Saint Francis of Assisi. Okay, he's building towards giving in a greater way. But you can do the same thing no matter what you're doing. You don't have to have a thousand million dollars like Dr. Anthony does. You don't have to. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> you don't have to buy an entire parking lot with a building on it. Okay. All you have to do is treat people fairly, treat people nicely. Treat people with honesty. If you see somebody working hard on the side of the road, picking up cans, stop and give them some money or, you know, do something out of the ordinary. Now, Divya says, a Zoom user says, when I surrender to Kundalini in meditation, I breathe deeply and have to release all fear and also surrender 100% to her to truly feel her working through me. Well, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And and I, in Zoom user, whoever you are, <laughs> Zoom user, I suggest you continue to do that. Continue to do that. That is a good system. That is a good system. Divya says, I have ever, I think she might see I have never had a need to lie. Hmm. That in and, itself, in and of itself is questionable. I've never had a need to lie. I have always only been super honest and say it as it is. Divya, where are you, Divya? Little kids lie. Okay. Well, they do with each other sometimes. They do. They 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 get it from their parents. 
to say that you have never had the need to lie. Okay, I mean, if that's if that's how you see it, um, but I want you to look at your own personal honesty with yourself. Have you ever lied to yourself? Have you always been super honest with yourself and you say it as it is to yourself? You know, I, I don't think anybody here is without sin. I think you kind of have to have sin. You, know, you have to have sin in order to appreciate what it is to not sin. Okay? You, you, you can't know unless you have, the, you know, the, the reference point. Okay? You can't know the truth unless you've experienced the lie. You can't know the darkness unless you've experienced the light. These, these are truths. These, you have to have that. That's why we're here. This is how you discern, uh, getting back to, 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 uh, to Joshua's uh, comments, you have to learn how to discern the truth from the lie or the, you know, the, the, the spirit of truth or the spirit of a lie. You have to learn to discern that. And the only way that I understand you can learn to discern that is to have experience with both. So to say that you've never lied, see what I'm saying? How do you know you've never lied if you've never lied? <laughs> <laughs> all right all right and divya says i don't need any approval from others it's all right what you think so there you go she's lashing out at me but it's okay it's okay <laughs> i'm used to it any questions about this this has been a fairly intense zoom session and I just want to compliment you all for sticking with it for, for the two hours and three minutes that you've stuck with it. Uh, this deals with a subject that is absolutely crucial to your kundalini continuum. You know what a continuum is, right? It means the continuation of your... Con so... I want you to look at your inner dialogue, your self-talk. How do you talk to yourself? When you go up in front of the classroom, you go, oh, God, what am I going to say now? Okay, I got, uh, I got this here. I'm going to bring up this. Um, I have asked myself this question. I think I have found an answer. No material except solid rock, which is not easily transported, maybe solid gold, can last for 12,000 years. Most other materials oxidize and turn to dust. Uh, many objects now in museums are unidentified remnants of an ancient society. Add to this the great destruction of antiquities done by the Romans, Christian crusaders invading Turk conquistadors and New World explorers, and it's easy to appreciate why so little of our heritage remains. 
Should I teach him that? What does your Kundalini think about what I just read? Come on, come on, come on. Alexander, what does your Kundalini think about what I just said? How much of it did you retain, if any? <laughs> <laughs> I understand only a few words, and, I, and maybe I think it's not everything true. I know. Okay. All right. Anybody else? You could teach. You could teach along that subject of what I just read about the the loss of knowledge, the ancient wonders that no longer exist because of the egotism of humanity, wanting to destroy power points to keep them from falling into the hands of people they don't agree with the Turks the Romans conquistadors etc etc and you know what that knowledge is really all of that knowledge that I just listed and that lasts for longer than 12,000 years Kundalini Kundalini is that power. Because it's the power of divinity. Gold and platinum and silver, these are just examples of the mineral example of Kundalini activation versus Kundalini awakening. The levels of activation would consist of lead, copper, silver. The minerals of awakening would consist of gold, platinum, and rubidium, and some of these other finer metals that exist. It's the same thing. Everything on this world is about kundalini. Every single thing. And you've got to bring your mind around to that. And that is your job as an activated kundalini person is to bring your mind around that and to absorb it and bring it into an expression. Because this, once you do that, this will take you many, many different places. You talk about portals. You talk about time jumping. You, you talk about dimension skipping. This will take you to those areas, but you've got to wrap your mind around it. You've got to stop setting up parameters of what grace can do and not do. You can't have it revolve around a book about what some people in the 5th century AD decided you're going to believe in. bunch of guys took all the power away from women because they were too afraid that women would take it over. I'm not joking. There was one woman who was alive in the fourth century and she was a, I forget her name, 
but uh, she was very, very, very smart, very, very well spoke, and and she was able to prove uh, mathematical theorems and and apply those theorems to a level of philosophy, and she was speaking out, and she became very popular, and a group of guys kidnapped her, stripped her, dragged her through the streets, and flayed her flesh off her with clamshells. Yeah. Because they didn't think it was appropriate for a woman to have that knowledge. Nice world, huh? <laughs> so I say, you know, one of the things you can do to wrap yourself around these concepts is to embrace, embrace the knowledge that the sacred feminine, i.e. females, have in this world. And I don't just mean uh, women, but I also mean Female horses, cows, tigers, cats, bears, dogs, wolves, fish, the feminine nature of life on this world, the duality of the gender. Embrace femininity because you're half of that. If you're a man, you're half of that. If you're a woman, you're half man. This is part of wrapping your mind around the unity of grace, but also the individualistics of grace. This is doing both at the same time. Stare at the yin-yang symbol. That is a direct representation of unity and individuality. But we have to go further within grace. We have to go further. We have to be living examples of this. You can time skip. You can dimension skip all you want. But that's just for your own enjoyment. I want you to do the hard work here on this world. Feet planted firm on the ground. Uh knowledge from your kundalini coursing through you, desiring for you to speak it or write it or sing it or whatever comes to you, that she wants you to communicate that grace. Stand up in front of that crowd. Stand up in front of those students. Know your radiating grace. Acknowledge it. Say today, Today, my radiance is going to be about such and such. Give your kundalini its, its acceptance in your day-to-day -day existence. I radiate love today. I radiate love and unity today. I radiate self-discipline today. And I radiate it and I demonstrate it. This is how I teach my students today. And do that every single day. Just don't try it. Try it for nine days consecutively, just to, to start off with. It's a great thing to hear me say, but I want you to do it. 
Make the jump. It's like... <laughs> It's like taking the body, the human flesh body, in the first place. You fall from grace when you take the body. You're, you fall from grace. You fall into like a pool of light. And you wake up, like Dr. Anthony was saying one time, you wake up being born. You know, they're grabbing your penis. They're like cutting the tip of it. You know, they're putting sugar in your mouth and all kinds of horrible things. Okay. <laughs> what I want you to do and what I'm what I'm suggesting that you do is you fall upwards. You fall upwards into grace. With this body intact without it having to be dead. Let this living tissue that you have be infused with the divine consciousness, be infused with divinity, constant level. One thing you might want to do is collect some peacock feathers and stare into the eyes of the peacock feather. That's a sacred thing, the peacock feather is. Do everything. Yes, Alexander, go ahead. Master, I had a dream while I was saying thank you, Kundalini, for, for something. I forget it. And then I saw a boat with big peacock feather and black bird. And now you remember me when you said that about peacock feather. <laughs> yeah, it's the peacock feathers. Who and I don't mean... Not the white peacock, not the, I mean the normal peacock feather. Blue, green, and dark, dark, dark purple. Indigo, I believe. That's the color of this, by the way. If you look into the peacock feather, you look at the dark indigo in the middle of it, that's the color of this chakra. FYI. Okay, the, the third eye color. You've got to start living your life. From You can't just turn this Zoom off, the podcast off, and, and then go back to living your normal life, telling lies, drinking caffeine, um, and, you know, masturbating to the, to the, uh, the rhythm of the pornographic uh, companies here in the West. I mean, come on. Move forward. Evolve. Conscious evolution conscious evolution in real time without having to die first show your kids show your students show your friends show your family how you're changing how you're falling upwards into grace the ascension into grace without having to die first that's the goal here. That's what Kundalini has come to you for. So you ascend into grace. And you help others ascend into grace. Every one of you should have a podcast where you talk about your grace.
All right. I'm done. <laughs> it's 217. You you you've listened to me for over two hours and and I and I want to thank you for 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 giving that. And I and for you listening on the podcast, thank you as well. Believe in your grace, please. Believe in your divine attributes. Believe what the Kundalini is doing to you, transforming you at this very moment. And support that transformation by believing in it and expressing it. Demonstrate your surrender. Demonstrate your surrender. Demonstrate your surrender. See you next week. Bye-bye, everybody.